It is Wednesday, February 28th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Will the Bears move on from Justin Fields? And a rare home loss for the Jayhawks. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Kansas loses at home. Rare thing. They fall to BYU. Chris Paul plays a key role down the stretch as the Warriors defeat the Wizards. And buzzer beaters in the NBA and college hoops. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Well, I want to start with the NFL because it is Combine Week, and we told the audience that we're going to have a football story pretty much every day uh, leading up into into the workouts, which we know now Drake May joining the list of top quarterbacks that will not be throwing at the NFL Combine. A little teaser, we will talk to your boy Lance Zerline uh, coming up later on this week as we get ready for what we – will watch during the combine and what we will learn coming out of the combine in Indianapolis. And one of the things that football fans are hoping to learn is what the Chicago bears will do with either Justin Fields or the number one overall pick yesterday, both general manager Ryan Poles and head coach Matt Eberflus made the rounds and lots of quotes are being cycled throughout the media. First, on the potential of trading the number one overall pick, General Manager Ryan Poles said that they need a pretty significant haul, kind of similar to what they got last year for the number one overall pick. And to remind folks, Chicago got the ninth overall pick, a second round pick, a first round pick this year, which became the number one overall pick, a second round pick in 2025, and Number one wide receiver, DJ Moore, for the number one overall pick. I don't – that's a big package, AJ. I don't know if there's a team out there that's going to give up that much. I, I, I don't know either, but, I mean, we can agree that Caleb Williams is a much better looked-at draft prospect than Bryce Young was. I, I think we can agree yes, on that, right? Absolutely. So if we're looking at a guy who is, I mean, a lot of people are saying is the the best uh, the best quarterback to come out since Trevor Lawrence, then I would assume they there would be some sort of a premium on that. So it, it is a high price, but I I imagine if that's what the Bears ask for, it's it, somebody's somebody's in, enamored with Caleb Williams, then then someone's going to pay that price. I just don't think they're going to get the haul because. I think that as much as the media loves Caleb Williams, I think there are a, a few adequate quarterbacks in this draft that you don't have to mortgage your future to draft them. You can take, you know, oh, Caleb won the Heisman Trophy. He's great. Jaden Daniels won the Heisman Trophy last year. You can take Jaden Daniels. You can yeah. take Drake May. You can wait and, and draft someone further down and save some money. I just think that there's ways that you can get your quarterback without having to mortgage your future. Because if you miss, or if the guy turns out, and I don't want to say bust, and uh, what's the rule of thumb, right? You don't evaluate a draft pick for three years. But 
I didn't like what I saw from Bryce Young last year. And if Bryce Young doesn't develop, the Panthers it's very very kind of you to say it. That well, I'm way. just saying, yeah. But Bryce like, Young I, absolutely stunk last yeah, year. Like but, I mean, that doesn't say that he's going to stink forever. But no, last no, year no. he absolutely stunk. But if he doesn't pan out, the Panthers set themselves back even further because of how much they gave up to move up in the draft to take him. I mean, the the only way to get these guys seems to be to draft them and hit on the draft. And you, people are going to take swings and take swings. I mean, Arizona did it uh, w- when they went and got Kyler Murray right after they they realized pretty quickly Josh Rosen's not the dude. And, and they made a decision that I, I know it sucks, but we've got to do this. And people said it would set them back, and maybe it has. Arizona's not been very competitive. But if you don't have a guy – that you think can get you there, then then what what are you wasting your time for anyway? And the reality is, like, I mean, I don't know if Kyler Murray can get them there or not. I, I know he's got, you know, an infinite infinite amount better chance than than Josh Rosen did, and they realized that and they said, okay, this can't do it. So if you're a team who has a guy right now and you don't think he's the guy, you're either biding time until you do decide to draft a quarterback. Or you're you're making moves and, and trying to make something happen. And I, I, while it doesn't look like it worked out, I respect the Panthers for going out and, and trying to make a splash. Like you, you know, they're not they're not just sitting on their laurels. And I think there's there's something to be said for that. The question is, do the Bears think Justin Fields can get them where they want to go? And my thought is probably not. Um, and I'm not saying that I know for certainty that that Caleb Williams is that guy. I know a lot. I, I think I'm lower on Caleb Williams than, than most people, in fact. But what I do know is he's an unscratched lottery ticket. And, and those have, those have a lot more value than the ones that they, where you've, you've scratched a couple numbers and none of them match. Uh, so everybody's looking for that, that home run. And if Justin feels that they don't think he's it, it makes sense to, uh, to make a move. If not, Somebody else is going to think it makes sense to jump up and and take that unscratched ticket. Would the Carolina Panthers have been better off last year if they stayed put, if they kept their draft commodities, if they drafted, you know, whether it was a Jalen Carter who wound up going ninth overall to the Eagles after that, you know, the, the pick went to Chicago, then to Philadelphia or somebody else. And then let's say in the second round, they were able to get, you know, a, a Will Levis. Would they be better off with DJ Moore, Will Levis, the, the draft picks that they would have drafted last year that they gave up, plus their first round pick this year, and second round pick next year, as opposed to what they gave up for Bryce Young. Yes. Would they be better off if they did that? Yes. But what if, think about this world. Let's just think about this. Let's say they made all that trading up and they took CJ Stroud and they got the exact same CJ Stroud that the Texans got. Would we, would anybody be questioning the decision? They'd all be saying, no. wow, what right. a ballsy right. move. Yep. And it worked, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got to take these chances at some point. Well, we'll see if a team is willing to take a chance and give up what the Bears are looking for for the number one overall pick. Or will the Bears just keep the number one overall pick and trade Justin Fields based on some other comments that were made by general manager Ryan Poles and the uh, head coach Matt Eberflus? It, It appears some people reading into those comments feel that they are going to trade Justin 
fields. Uh, comments uh, talking about um, what they look for in a quarterback. Here was Matt Eberflus on what he needs from his quarterback. I look at situations. You know, I look at the guys that can operate third down, two minute, um, in, in the end of the game situations. That, that to me is what se- that's a separator um, for me. Um, and then you look at toughness. You know, you got to look in toughness for a quarterback. Really, is is about the mental toughness to be able to stand in the pocket and deliver the ball, um, and then also have the discernment to be able to move out of the pocket and create when it's necessary. Does that sound like he's describing Justin Fields or Caleb Williams? I, I guess it kind of could be either. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's funny, and it's not like they're similar players necessarily. Caleb Williams can move around a little bit. He, he's certainly not the he doesn't have the mobility that Justin Fields has. But I, I think the thought is that Caleb Williams may have a better understanding of the quarterback position and may be able to uh, to make some more throws than Justin Fields. And and it's it's trying to find that balance, right? Mm-hmm. And Ryan Poles, when speaking about Justin Fields and what he needs to improve on, said that he needs to improve when it comes to passing from the pocket and performing in two-minute situations. And then all of a sudden, you know, kind of piggybacking off of that is the quote that we just heard from Matt Eberflus. It kind of feels like the general manager and the head coach are on the same page And I don't know if that same page is the Justin Fields page as for when they will make a decision or when Justin Fields will find out here was, uh, yeah, here was Matty Eberflus more from yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, obviously we've been transparent. I've I've visited with uh, Justin three times, I think uh, since the season's over, you know, talking about the, you know, the coach, you know, the coach and all that, but just about personal stuff and, you know, Obviously, you know, no one likes uh, having gray, right? So we've all had gray in our lives. You're like, hey, just I want this or that. And I completely understand where Justin is, you know, as a coach, because, you know, there's gray in our our areas too sometimes. And to me, um, you know, as soon as we know, we're going to, we're going to let him know and let everybody else know. And we'll we'll figure that out as we go. But again, we got to go through the process. That was Matty Rufus on SiriusXM. Here was General Manager Ryan Poles on Pro Football Talk. When will you know? what you're going to do it's hard to say right now um you know i've been through this process before and you got to gather as much information as possible uh it's definitely a unique situation with justin but also gathering information about the rookie class um that takes time and i think at the end of the day like we know with that position you got to know the person um so we're going to spend time getting to know these guys here uh, this week, and, and that'll probably continue after this week as well. And it's Groundhog Day for you because yeah. you did the same thing last year. Right. How do you know when you know? I think there's a little bit of instinct to it as well. Um, you have these boxes that need to be checked in terms of gathering information and, and good information. And for me, it's always been a little bit of a gut instinct of, all right, it's time to pull the trigger. Let's, let's roll with this. It feels right. Um, so I've always leaned on that. Well, so far, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like it. Well, at least it's been a long time since the Bears gut instinct got them anywhere. Uh, <laughs> it, it seems like they keep I mean, although I shouldn't say that, maybe, maybe making that trade last year was a gut instinct move. And, and you know, that's a, a brilliant GM move. But as far as finding the right quarterback, it, it's been a long time since that's worked out for them. That trade last year, by the way, if, if you're looking for a calendar reference, went down on March 10th. So pretty much after the combine, and so the combine here is this week, 
if the Bears are going to trade that number one overall pick, it might come next week. It might come during these meetings that they're going to have during the combine or possibly after we see Caleb Williams throw at his pro day at USC because he will not be throwing at the NFL combine. USC's pro day is scheduled for March 20th. You know, every once in a while, I'll be sitting at home and saying, what are we going to cook for dinner? What are we going to cook for? My wife says, I don't know. And then guess what happens? Omaha Steaks comes by and drops meat off on my front porch and makes all the decisions that much easier, Scott. Meat to your front porch? Can't beat it, baby. Doesn't get better than that. I had the meatballs last night, and they were delicious, man. It was easy to cook, reheat in the oven, and bang, dinner is served. It's steaks, it's chicken, it's pork chops, it's it's meatballs, like you said. They've got sides. So much great stuff. Guys, they've got a great sale going on right now. The Omaha Steaks semi-annual sale is here. It's a sale so nice, they only do it twice. Score mouth-watering savings on all your Omaha Steaks favorites with 50% off site-wide during that semi-annual sale going on right now. From tender, juicy steaks to big, beefy burgers, scrumptious sides, decadent desserts and so much more now's the perfect time to grab all your favorites plus get an extra 30 dollars off when you use our promo code vegas at checkout and every purchase is backed by their unconditional money back guarantee simply go to omahasteaks.com and shop the semi-annual sale today that's omahasteaks.com promo code vegas at checkout minimum purchase may apply listen we get it you're busy you got work to do kids to take care of Got to get to the gym at some point. And make sure you're drinking enough water and figuring out what's for dinner is a whole nother project. Yeah, point is, you're busy. You don't have time for 10 minutes of commercials or scripted dating segments on your morning commute. That's why we created The Morning Show Podcast. I'm Carla Marie. My name is Anthony, and The Morning Show Podcast is a daily podcast aimed at keeping you informed and entertained in under 25 minutes. We kick off every show with the core four. It's the four biggest news stories that you should probably be aware of. And then we continue on with music games, pop culture news. And of course, what's trending, the thing you didn't know you needed until Carla Marie told you about it. Yeah, it's my favorite. You can get the Morning Show podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your shows. Yesterday morning, AJ, when we spoke about the Pistons' controversial loss to the New York Knicks, we wondered if taking the 10 points for last night's game was the smart play, maybe a sprinkle on Pistons' money line, thinking that the complaining about the officiating would work out to their advantage. Well, they did shoot more free throws than the Bulls last night, 23 to the Bulls' 18. Not a drastic difference, but... The Pistons' effort was there from the jump as they beat Chicago 105 at 95, winning outright by 10 as 10-point dogs. Yeah, pretty unbelievable, too, when you, you look at the turnover numbers. The Pistons turn over 20 times, the Bulls only six, and the Pistons still win the game. How, you might ask? Well, the Bulls shot 7%. From three-point range, that is a pretty rough recipe, especially when you're at home. You can't afford to shoot that poorly. And, uh, and yeah, the Pistons they didn't quit. Uh, shot, I mean, the Bulls shot under 40% from the field. Just a terrible shooting night for Chicago. And, uh, and, and the Pistons, like, like we kind of expected, seemed pretty motivated. Well, you know who was motivated last night? Max Struess. Cavs out of timeout. Struess into Mobley. Back to Max. Half-court shot. Good! Good! He hit it! 
can't win. This place is going crazy. The Cavaliers had 2.6. They were out of timeouts. Screws let it fly. Screws hit nothing but net. Screws on the loose with the game winner. 121, 119, in one of the most incredible endings you will ever see. Tim Alcorn with the call on Cavs Radio. Max Struess from beyond half court, AJ, as the Cavs picked up a win from the jaws of defeat. Yeah, and the Mavs have not been losing much lately. This is uh, their second loss in the last 10 games, and they got a good performance from their studs. Luka had 45, Kyrie had 30 in his return to uh, to Dallas. I didn't even mention the 14 assists for Luka as well, but he was hard on himself. He was saying that he should have been out there. He should have pressed up on Max and not given him such a good look, which, I mean, it was like one of the longest shots, game-winning shots in NBA history. Um, so, but this was just like, that shot is the highlight that's going to get heard, but the Mavericks had a, I mean, they had a 10 point lead with four and a half minutes to go in the game and Struess made four three pointers in about like an 80 second span. And that really changed the whole game. Uh, Max Struess, it wasn't just that one shot. It was like a, a series of hero stuff from, from Max Struess to win this game for the Cavs. Elsewhere, the Magic, a 108-81 route of the Brooklyn Nets. The Warriors, a 123-112 win over the Wizards. Chris Paul made his return from injury, came off the bench, played some key minutes late, nine points with six assists in 22 minutes off the bench from Chris Paul. Yeah, but you know who the the star of this game was for Golden State was Jonathan Kaminga who's a guy, you know, kind of been, I don't want, we talked about earlier, maybe not want to throw around the bust word, uh, but he's probably not, his tenure hasn't been looked at as fantastic. He was 10 of 13 from the field, added six boards and five uh, assists, 21 points on the day for Kaminga on a night where Steph wasn't necessarily shooting well. Uh, Clay Thompson actually did shoot well, 25 points off the bench as well. So good minutes from, from CP three, good minutes from Clay Thompson and good minutes from Gary Payton. So that the, the reserve guards gave the Warriors this win on a night when, uh, when Steph wasn't at his best. Yeah. He didn't score in the first half, like Steph Curry, who finished the game with 18 points was held scoreless in the first half. Do you know when the last time that Curry did not score in the first half of a game was? I do not. November 23rd, 2012. That's the last time he did not score in the first half of a game. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. And it's it's more unbelievable if not only they win, they covered on the road. Uh, That's... That's hard to do when you when your guy doesn't show up, uh, at least doesn't show up early. Elsewhere on the scoreboard, the Hawks blow out the Jazz 124-97. The Celtics get a big second half. They beat the Sixers 117-99. Pelicans dominate the shorthanded Knicks 115-92. New York playing the second of a back-to-back. And without Jalen Brunson and with all the injuries that the Knicks are dealing with, they had no they, they were non-competitive in this game. 
yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a, a skeleton crew, certainly. Uh, no Brunson, no Hartenstein, and it was – I mean, there wasn't really offense outside of DiVincenzo and, and uh, Josh Hart. Like, they, they tried their best to uh, to carry the load. But, it, I mean, when, when you got those guys – like, Achua, McBride, and Hart all played 40 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's just – you're asking a ton of these guys. And these are the kind of games, in my mind, that not only – I mean, obviously, it, it hurts to to lose a game like this, especially a home game. And it's like normally for the Knicks, these types of things don't seem to matter much because the Knicks aren't they're not considered like a team that has anything to play for, really, for the last several years. But right now, while they're fighting for playoff seating and, you know, trying to uh, trying to stay on the on the right side of that, the uh, the play in line and maybe even have a home court series, losing these games is tough, but also running your guys into the ground and still not getting a win it makes it even worse because now you know that that kind of when you play your guys 40 minutes that can go over into the next game and the next mm-hmm. game like it just starts to pile up on you and uh you know Hartenstein there's, I, there's probably some real concern they're talking about him dealing with maybe an Achilles issue uh which would be a pretty big blow to them and it's a pretty quick turnaround too because they're gonna be right back at it tomorrow at home against the Warriors the Timberwolves, a 114-105 win over the Spurs. The Pistons, we talked about beating the Bulls. Bucks, a 123-85 route of the Hornets. Thunder beat the Rockets, 112-95. And the Heat topped the Blazers, 106-96. Jimmy Butler, after a game off, 22 points, 9 assists, and 4 steals. And if you are listening to those scores and thinking, it didn't sound like a lot of points, well... You'd be right. NBA unders went ten and one last night. So it's the second second night in a row, right? That the unders have, no, uh, have it, really it going. It was two out of the last three. Yeah, on the weekend it was a massive under day, and then yeah, again. So it's been the trend is unders since the All Star break, and we'll see if the trend continues tonight. Here's what's on your schedule: the Pelicans are at the Pacers in the five and a half point favorites total. 238 and a half Mavericks are at the Raptors Dallas two and a half point road favorites total 241 and a half Timberwolves host the Grizzlies Minnesota laying 12 and a half with a total of 212 and a half the Cavs visit the Bulls Cleveland four and a half point road favorites total 217 and a half Kings are at the Nuggets Denver seven and a half point favorites total 228 and a half and the Lakers at the Clippers the Clippers who unveiled their new logo and new court design for the Intuit Dome for next year and their new uniforms, which are just clean. Uh, Clippers, three and a half point favorites, total 235 and a half. Wild night again in college basketball. And listen, it doesn't happen very often. We should uh, note when it does, Kansas lost a home game. 76-68 win for visiting BYU at number seven, Kansas. Uh, Kansas ended up closing as about a seven point favorite lost that game. I mean, really got away from them late, but just a, a, a great shooting performance by BYU. And, you know, th- this is a team that, that kind of lives and dies by the three. That's, that's their, their theory. And Kansas has been giving up a ton of open looks. BYU goes 13 of 34 from three-point land, Kansas only three of 15. But I think even more painful was the points that Kansas left on the free throw line. Uh, the Jayhawks shot 61% from three, 
from the free throw line. Hunter Dickinson, 6 of 15. Just a dreadful night for him from the line. And BYU gets the uh, the rare win for a visitor in the fog. Uh, elsewhere in the top 25, and we'll stick in the Big 12 even, number one Houston, 67-59 win over Cincinnati. I played the uh, the first half number on this, Scott, and uh, it took a buzzer beater at the end of the first <laughs> half to get that cover as Houston had a nine-point lead at halftime. Uh, Cincinnati actually outscored them in the second half by a point, but Houston will maintain that number one ranking. Number 16, Kentucky, with a comeback win at uh, Mississippi State, 91-89, uh, Mississippi State took a ton of steam yesterday. I think they went up to minus five by tip-off. And Reed Shepard was the star late for Kentucky. Uh, came off the bench 11 of 14 from the field, four of seven from three, including 11 points in a two-minute span, uh, including the game winner with under a second left, 32 points on the night for Reed Shepard. So a huge comeback win over Mississippi State uh, and a good road win for the Wildcats who still have questions on defense, but man, can they light it up? Number 21, Davidson gets a walkthrough 80-66 win hosting Davidson. Number 22, Utah State, 77-73 win at Fresno in overtime. This was my best bet yesterday, a big fat loser as uh, Utah State just did not play the kind of ball that they've played all season long. I think maybe they took took it for granted uh, that they were going to go in and, and outperform this bad Fresno team. But 17 turnovers was the real bugaboo. I had played some uh, some player props on Grant Osibor over uh, points and rebounds. I figured he would just get what he wanted, and he did. 21 points, 11 rebounds, really great night for the big man because, like I said, Fresno didn't have a big man to throw at him, but the guard play really failed uh, this Utah State team. Although, listen, they get the win on the road. Any road win, I always say this, is a good win, avoiding what could have been like a a disastrous loss. You lose a, a bad road game like that. It could be ugly, but they avoid that, get a 77-73 win. Number 20, San Diego State out there in the Mountain West as well. They hold on to get a 72-64 win over San Jose State. So the uh, the underdogs fought hard last night in the Mountain West, five, San Jose State. Five and one underdogs just in the top 25 games that we had last night. Yeah, San Jose State was a 22-point dog and uh they only lost by eight speaking of dogs in the mountain west max Struess could not be outdone he he was he were he couldn't be alone he couldn't have all the spotlight to himself as colorado state mounted a furious comeback against or against nevada and at colorado state they hit a they hit a shot to tie it with like two seconds left and this was one of the wildest finishes Jared Lucas just runs up from right behind the half court line chucks it off the glass and in the Colorado State crowd that had gotten just out of control died 77 74 Nevada win Jared Lucas walked off the court 
doing the hush sign. Uh, as you know, Colorado State was uh, was was ready to explode there. Uh, he finishes with 23 points in the win, 60% from behind the arc. Heavy slate in top 25 action on Wednesday. Number 24, Florida, a 13.5 point home favorite against Mizzou. Mizzou 0-14 in SEC play, looking for their first win. Uh, Florida has been an interesting team as there's moments where it's like, man, maybe this Florida team is, is really good. And then they have moments seemingly against lesser teams where they find themselves in probably more trouble than they should be. Uh, They went to overtime at home with Georgia. They beat LSU at home by two points. Uh, It's it's, they, they should be beating these teams by more. And then they have moments like playing Auburn, who's an actual good team, and they stomped Auburn uh, in at home. And it's they beat Mississippi State by nearly double digits at home. So Florida, a very hard team to trust right now. Florida beat Mizzou at Missouri by 12, uh, but it, it is asking a lot in my mind for them to cover such a big number here, uh, even at home. The game of the day features number four, Tennessee, hosting number 11, Auburn. Tennessee, a six and a half point favorite. It's a big number, but I do not bet against Tennessee on their home floor uh, in Thompson Bowling Arena. They have just been dominant and Auburn, a lesser team away from home as well. Number five, Marquette hosts Providence. Providence, a bubble team, you know, maybe to the best description of a bubble team right now would be the Providence Friars desperately needing a win. Uh, they are 10.5-point dogs to do so at Marquette. Duke, the status of Kyle Filipowski unknown as he is still sore uh, after the court rush by Wake Forest. Oh, you but, mean after he tried to trip a fan running onto the, the court? It's so funny. Did you hear the uh, – there was one of the guys on ESPN was was saying – well, it's Kyle, it's got to be Kyle Phillip out. He can't just be so casual walking around there. He's got to hurry off the court. I was like, what? Suddenly it's the player's job to like rush off the court instead of Listen, uh, keeping I, I all the fans from running up there. I watched the overhead angle, and to me, it looked exactly like the Caitlin Clark incident, where at first it was like, oh no, somebody ran into her, and then the the other angle showed that like she actually lo- you know, she laid the boom on on a fan, and the overhead angle looks like Kyle Filipowski sticks his leg out to try and trip a fan that is running onto the court. And then he obviously suffered the worst of the blow, but like the overhead angle really looked like he stuck his leg out. Well, Kyle Filipowski continues to uh, live up to the longstanding tradition of villainous Duke players. Uh, number eight, Iowa state is a nine and a half point home favorite at or hosting Oklahoma. Pardon me. Number, number 18, South Carolina. This, we got a system play here, Scott, number 18, South Carolina goes on the road. They are four and a half point dogs at Texas A&M, uh, who has been a roller coaster this season. So, you know, trust this system play at your own peril. Uh, number 12, Creighton hosts Seton Hall. Creighton, an eight and a half point home favorite there. Illinois, an 11 and a half point favorite, number 13 in the country uh, as they host the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Number 14, Alabama, five and a half point road favorite at Ole Miss. And Arizona, number 16 in the country, they are 11 and a half point road favorites at Arizona State. 
Hockey last night, the Maple Leafs winning streak has come to a close as the Golden Knights defeat the Leafs in Toronto 6-2. to So Vegas doing a good job of ending winning streaks this year. Remember, they were the ones that took care of the Oilers' uh, winning streak and uh, did so here against the Maple Leafs as well. Jonathan Marchessault with two goals and an assist in this one. Fastest franchise ever to 300 wins. They were the fastest to win a Stanley Cup as well. So. I mean, they're just the fastest <laughs> to everything, Scott. They're the best. <laughs> That'll help. Uh, elsewhere, the Canadians doubled up the Coyotes 4-2. to two. The Red Wings an 8-3 route of the Capitals. Panthers beat the Sabres 3-2. to two. Flyers a 6-2 win over the Lightning. Predators 4-1 over the Senators. Hurricanes got by the Wild 3-2. Was the Jets over the Blues 4-2. Flames a 4-2 win over the Kings. The Avalanche, this continues to be the best system in all of hockey, betting the Avs playing against the team on the second of a back-to-back. Avalanche a 5-1 route of the Stars. Dallas scored one minute into the game, AJ. Took a 1-0 lead. And then Colorado Colorado tied it one minute later. (laughs) Didn't matter. You know what sucks, though? Is if you bet, and and we don't want to, you know, we don't feel bad for people, but like if you bet the over six and a half, you had three goals in the first three minutes of this game. And the game ends and it still goes under six and a half, five to one. The Avalanche beat the Stars. In overtime, the Penguins come from behind fashion. They were down two nothing early. They came from behind and in OT beat the Canucks 4-3. And the Devils, a 7-2 blowout win over the Sharks. And Timo Myers returned to San Jose. First time since he'd been uh, was traded uh, from the Sharks. He had two assists in the game for the Devils. They gave him a nice little pregame. Uh, video tribute so a nice moment there for Timo Meyer just two games on your schedule for tonight the Rangers host the Blue Jackets New York looking to bounce back after they had their franchise record winning streak snapped in their last game they are massive favorites minus 240 tonight against Columbus and the Blues visit the Oilers Edmonton also a minus 240 favorite with St. Louis playing on the second of a back-to-back they were in Winnipeg last night Big story in Major League Baseball yesterday was Shohei Otani making his Dodgers debut the first time officially wearing Dodger blue in a game, albeit a spring training game in the Cactus League. And in the bottom of the fifth inning, this happened. Swung on, hit high in the air to left and deep. This ball carrying, this ball is gone! It is Dodger debut! Shohei Otani brings them to their feet. A two-run home run. That's what they've been waiting for. The audio courtesy of MLB.com. AJ, was there ever a doubt? Was there ever a (laughs) doubt that Otani was going to go deep in his first game? I'm just waiting for him to go deep in his first regular season game for the Dodgers. I I mean, nothing shocks me with Shohei Otani anymore. He's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen on on a baseball field. And... I, it feels like by now I should be like used to seeing it, and it's just, mm-hmm. it still blows my mind uh, that this guy is what he is. Uh, and I, I know he's not going to be pitching this year, so the the wow factor will be down. But the idea that this guy is like has a busted elbow and is still just bombing is it's, it's wild to me. Well, from one Dodger debut to another as Otani shined yesterday, and Dodger fans hoping the same. For Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who is scheduled to pitch today 
for the Dodgers in their game against the Texas Rangers. So Major League Baseball fans will get their first look at Yamamoto in Major League game action. And for anybody who is not familiar with Yamamoto and why this is such a big deal for him coming over and pitching in Major League Baseball, he's 25 years old, uh, not just the best pitcher in Japan. I mean, three the last three years, he won their version of the Cy Young Award, but he was also the most valuable player. He won the last three MVP awards for <laughs> Nippon professional baseball. Like the, he's like, that's how he's a good, good sports player. Is. Good sports he a, player. He is a good sports player. His stats over in Japan, 70 and 29 with a 1.82 ERA. That's pretty good. If it translates I don't even over know what to say about baseball. that guy. Yeah. If it, if it, if half of it translates over, I mean, it, it's exactly. wild. Exactly. Uh, I'll tell you what does translate, and that's saving money at pregame.com. We're bringing back the breakfast promo codes. That's right. Our favorite meal of the day is breakfast. I'm going to get some pretty soon, and we are going to help you save 20% off of any purchase at pregame.com using the promo code EGGS20. EGGS20. We'll get you 20% off your purchase at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.